Hi, I'm Sam Smeltzer, and you're listening to the Heartworker Book Club Podcast, where we talk about the powerful cultivation practice of reading and writing to inspire both personal and professional growth. You're tuning in during the 2022 Book Club, where we dive into the practice of reading just 10 pages a day to uncover some life-changing lessons in three incredible books. Welcome to the club, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Heartworker Book Club podcast. We are in our third episode uh, doing this season's this season's season of the book club. That's really like a tongue twister. Um, but just as a refresher, we're reading Think Again by Adam Grant. We're reading uh, Living Buddha, Living Christ by I'm not going because I'm going to butcher the name. And then we're also reading the Kobe Bryant book, The Mamba Mentality. Um, and last time when we chatted, um, if you didn't listen to the episode, go back because we, we unveiled how these things are all woven together just from initial kind of reads dipping into the book. And now we're seeing that even more so, um, as we're continuing, um, everybody is here tonight. So Liza's with us, Karen's with us. And so is Ben. And, um, yeah, we're just gonna get back into it. We, before we hit the record button, we were talking about how this is just very different than last season if you were joining us because you kind of got privied to weekly conversations and now we're trying to digest a large amount of pages in a small amount of check-ins. And on top of that, half the check-ins you're not hearing. So we've been trying to make sure that we're capturing the good stuff. Um, and really at the end of the day, you know, my hope is to inspire you to pick up these books and read because they really they really do shift and, and change your behaviors. In fact, I was just sharing how reading the Mamba mentality is now making me do sports analogies in my work uh, and talking to people about things that I never would have thought about before. Um, and so it's just expanding my knowledge and expanding my resource bank um, while I'm also personally growing. So why don't we dive in here? Uh, and I think Liza's gonna kick us off with um, a starting point from one of the books then something that really kind of resonated with her uh, so that we can get our conversation going. All right. Thank you, Sam. Um, well, one of the things that really struck me in the beginning of our reading with Living Buddha and, Li and Living Christ, um, the jewels of tradition that uh, is talked about, uh, the jewels of tradition being compassion, loving kindness, oneness of body and mind, and unmind, um, how unmindful speech can kill and mindful consuming. Each of those sections that is talked about, it, it starts off with aware of the suffering caused by, you know, whatever it might be. Um, in this one, social injustice or stealing or exploitation or oppression, aware of the suffering. And so it just struck me how each of these is uh, starts out with that phrase, aware of the suffering. And I realized that the very first baby step in the practice uh, is observation. And to repeat to myself, aware of the suffering that, you know, screaming does, then of course you make a commitment to try to do better. But I was very struck by the fact that it starts with the observation 
of how this causes yourself and others um, to suffer. And then it's very respectful because of that is very respectful of the intelligence of the reader. Um, and it talks about sort of leaning into personal pain um, in, in, in terms of like mindful consuming. Um, it talks very specifically about leaning into the pain that causes us to consume not unmindfully, shopping like crazy, drinking like crazy, eating like crazy. And I was just laughing because there's a, um, there's a footnote. Where's the footnote? On page, oh my word, it was so hysterical. I'll find it. It's so hysterical. The footnote talks about all the different words for the duality of being happy and sad at the same time. So when you are consuming unmindfully, you are both happy because you are shopping like a crazy person, but you are also sad because you are trying to mask, um, you know, some sort of a deep, uncomfortable feeling. So mindful consuming uh, the footnote. I'm still looking for it. Oops. Oh, I'm going to have to find it. But it talks about all the different words uh, for um, for this that talk about being happy and sad at the same time, sort of that duality. One of which quite literally m meant um, happy bacon, which I just thought was hysterical. Now I have to, now why didn't I write down where that was? But I will find that. Did anybody else notice that in the footnotes? So I was listening, I've been listening to Living Buddha, Living Christ, um, and because I think it's easier for me to absorb it. I have read it, and um, I, I've read certain sections of it, so I think that there are things that I'm missing when I'm hearing it as opposed to reading it. Um, I had to do that, though, last year for New Earth as well. Like, it's just one of those books that I have to really listen to, and I've actually listened to over and over. But I made a note of something you said, Liza, that that actually hit me between both books, um, Living Buddha, Living Christ, and Think Again, because those are the two that I'm reading more consistently in tandem. And it's that idea of observation as being the starting point for the conversation around mindfulness um, and really having this this internal observation. I was also, I'm also comparing that to Adam Grant's scientist mind and how scientists use observations. I mean, this is how my brain works, but use observations to um, to kind of rethink their principles, right? And to rethink their assumptions. And this is maybe deep and I don't know, but I've been thinking a lot about when I read these two books, we're talking about two, what, what Adam Grant would call preachers <laughs> or individuals that are teaching and, and leading and guiding religious um, tenets or religious practices. And I wonder if, you know, the Buddha, Siddhartha and, and Jesus Christ were here, like, would they consider themselves in some way science minded, like being able to, because we're so connected. I find that I'm so connected to religion from such a structured way 
that sometimes it's hard to rethink, like, are we allowed to rethink what Christianity is like, right? Like, I don't know that I grew up to think that way, but in reading both books together, I'm just very interested in taking the science mind approach to rethinking um, just your what you already know and then maybe adapting it. And now I'm thinking a lot about conversations that we're having as a society but or even in groups around is religion um, modifying itself to be accepting of cultures and accepting of people. And so I'm just comparing the two, and I know that that's probably not fair because there's such different um, thought processes and, and different people, but I really appreciated Hans' um, openness to be able to rethink your experience with religion, and I'm saying quote-unquote religion, but like the experience of faith and spirituality. And it almost gave me permission to say, you can have your own observations of yourself and the way that you've been doing things and adapt them and kind of rethink those um, principles so that you can, I think, Liza, to your point, um, be really rooted in those practices, right? Like, and, and be um, more mindful in that, like more mindful shopping and more mindful eating and rethinking the way that you did that in a way that's really spiritual. So that was, that was like the, that was the big concept for me that I've been trying to, I've just been writing notes about like, like what would Jesus be like, you know, or what would Buddha be like? (laughs) Yeah. And I think to your point, I mean, oh, go ahead, Liza. No, that's okay. Go ahead, Sam. Well, I just was, you know, when you're sitting here reading Living Buddha, Living Christ, and you listen to the lessons that he shares from Buddha, and even the lessons that he shares from Jesus, I mean, I think one of the things that really captures me about those teachers is how they share their knowledge is so um, almost limited and, and general in nature that it is so open for a variety of interpretations. I mean, look how many books are written by people processing and rethinking uh, the teachings. I mean, I know, oh my gosh, somebody is going to get really upset at me saying this, but even there's controversial around the Bible and who are the people who wrote the Bible and the four gospels and the recaps of the, of, you know, the stories of Jesus. I mean, those are one perspective. Um, and so uh, I think that it is, you know, it's almost like what we're talking about in Think Again in a, the most expansive format, you know, that's what I just kept hearing over and over with you saying, Karen. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that I will say, just circling back briefly to Liza, cause we had a check in two weeks ago and now I do remember we talked about this, but you know, the word suffering, I mean, has definitely been a huge takeaway for me and reading living Buddha and living Christ. I think it's a word that I've never used in my vocabulary. Um, and I think I shared with this group that, you know, I'm really passionate about my work because I truly believe I'm helping to end suffering in, in workplace cultures and workplace toxicity. And I, I would never, I've never used that term before. Um, but now I see that it really is exactly that. Ben, I, um, in a different um, way of defining suffering, I think with Mamba mentality, you know, Kobe 
experienced in a lot of different ways, um, both some per some personal suffering. I mean, oh my gosh, think about now when we're talking about Kobe and suffering, that family, right? But both um, personal suffering and a lot of like his physical, he had some physical ailments and then, but also just team suffering and having gone through a lot. And so I think a lot about the relationship that he had with spirituality and his faith and just what, how it drove him to have his own practice, right? Like, do you see threads? I feel like there are threads there too. There, there are a lot of threads between like, the spirituality aspect and being able to like the sports aspect where the biggest one of the biggest points i've taken so far from living buddha living christ think again and mama mentality is trying to view stuff from other people's perspectives and how you relate that towards your work for example like you can watch one sport being played like soccer for example since fifa world cup FIFA World Cup qualifies going on pretty much and how if you look at the Americans playing soccer and like the Amer like South America it's a lot different than other philosophies of the Europeans versus the Asians versus the Africans so it's kind of like viewing how you take the sport and how you view a certain aspect of a sport and trying to like mold it together where if you look at Kobe Bryant's like faith and kind of like how he put spirituality in sports it kind of was his life and if you look at other soccer players like Neymar, Messi or any any of the biggest superstars in soccer they all have that big mentality of being able to make sports their spirituality and make their like make their sport their life where they have inner demons like everybody has but they kind of take it out on the, the sports on the pitch and kind of get a lot of flask for it versus if we have stuff going on in our lives, we don't get as blasted. So it's kind of like putting suffering, like Sam says, in a bubble where you're trying to I, how, I'm trying to put it as these players are kind of ending suffering for fans if they're part of a rough franchise, but they are also somewhat suffering from physically or mentally having them in the spotlight all the time yeah i think han han really covered that and you know so one of the things that i thought a lot about for um mamba mentality was han han mentioned in living christ living buddha that the practice of mindfulness and understanding is really if you do it well, that you can ease your own suffering, but also you ease the suffering of people, right? Because we're interconnected. And I think a lot about um, just the, how, um, it's a strong practice, right? Like, so for, for Kobe Bryant to have been able to get through the suffering that he had, I mean, he, he talks about, like, this is an individual, like, I practice every day, it's a routine, it's a practice, and you can tell that he, it was an internal um, exercise for him, right? Like daily living with himself in the, and his ability to be able to then change people around him and also be able, this is how I connected to the Adam Grant um, book, the part about inter um, uh, relationships with others, 
this dance with people that he didn't get along with, right? Or like some of his rivals. So being able to dance, quote unquote, with them and using his internal strength and his internal mindfulness almost. I mean, it's an assumption that we make based on what we read of him. But that practice, he was able to get through his own suffering, but then like get through a lot of the rivalry and the the challenge that he went through. I mean, you can apply it to so many different experiences. Another thing going based off of that in, in the Mamba mentality, he talks about certain players that he's played against, like Kevin Garnett, Tracy mm-hmm. McGrady, and other big basketball stars at the time, where he took what they did and kind of like tried to look at their weaknesses and strengths to see how he can attack them. So kind of like in the business world, if you look at big competitors like Walmart versus Amazon, for example, they both have their niche in the mar- niche in the market, but you can kind of say like they go off of one another's weaknesses to try to one up one another and kind of like think again, try to use from others' perspectives on how to grow and grow as a business or grow as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Ben how you talked about them ending the suffering for a bad franchise. Because, I mean, and I think, again, he talks about those studies with the the Yankees fans and um, which is just it's almost like he totally puts it like where it's almost like a religion, like legit, like you're seeing these things that are happening. It's almost more hostile than some of the political dynamics we're navigating right now, um, which I know is true because I'm I've, as since I was a child, even though I'm not huge into sports i knew that you never wear certain colors on certain game days because you basically will get like attacked by people um and even when we moved to pennsylvania i remember i was wearing an ohio state shirt when we came to look because my dad is from ohio and i was at one of the local hotels in the elevator and this guy was so upset with me and i'm like a 16 year old girl in this elevator and he's like furious that I could even be in the elevator with him with that shirt on. And I totally was like, I don't understand. And then the guy at the front desk is like, well, you know, this is like Penn state, you know, area. You can't really wear something like that unless you're like legit. So I just totally was like, well, I'm not a hardcore sports fan. I'm not just not going to wear anything. Cause it's so, <laughs> but to the point, like the whole like concept of, of suffering, like it really is, everywhere at different Mm -hmm. levels like i think i mean today and i'm gonna really back this up but watching this show on netflix that's about organizing it's the home edit girls that are really popular they have these books out and they're all about teaching people how to organize but they talked about how they got a deal with walmart to get their organizing products these like acrylic bins that allow you to see everything in and their labels like their products merchandise and walmart and they were really excited about this because it was making it accessible across the country so that everybody would have access to end their organizing but with the way that they're talking about it they legit are like if you're not organized you're suffering like you are like, so it's just like, now I'm seeing it, these little echoes of it everywhere. And then to take it like one step further and to like hit back to last season, is that what Simon Sinek meant in the infinite game when we're talking about just cause that that cause is really, you're working towards ending some sort of suffering out in the world. And that's enough to get people rallied behind. Cause this little organizing group, they got like this huge, massive team and they are all 
they're in it. Like, oh my gosh, your closet looks like that. We're going to help you. And this is how it's going to change every aspect of your life. And they are like, I mean, they are, they drank the Kool-Aid, man. They're right there. And I'm sure you could probably name a ton of sports examples. Whereas if a team gets a certain player that turns the franchise around or a certain coach, like how their life has just magically gotten so much better and their suffering has ended. And so we're talking about it at this level. And then we have the other level where there's suffering that is what we come to expect to put a label on. So what we're seeing in Ukraine, what we're seeing from a yeah. um, diversity issue across the, 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 you know, the country and even across the globe and from an economic standpoint, from a poverty standpoint, but I mean, like, isn't that what the whole thing is? Is like all of us are suffering at some level. I mean, that's what I got from living Buddha, living Christ. Is yes. that it's everywhere. Going off of your example about the sports theme is kind of like, if you look at certain kinds of sports, uh, the uh, the more kind of socially liberal like countries like Europe, they're actually extremely capitalists when it comes to their sports so for example all the biggest clubs in like soccer they spend ungodly amounts of money to get the best players and it's like to keep the best players and like in the best clubs where the u.s and football it's like oh man uh, the detroit lions they had a terrible season we'll give them the number one draft pick and like trying to build lower teams up so they can win Versus, like I said, with the the European football, the football clubs where they just spend like ungodly amounts of money to get players like Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, uh, Kevin De Bruyne from Belgium and try to get the best possible experience for their players and try to like turn them around. And also if like the biggest programs and like kind of a way of like having basketball or like sports as a mentality in the March Madness there was Kentucky who is a number two seed in the March Madness bracket who is playing a very small college called St. Peter's University Kentucky is supposed to beat them off the rails kind of like throw them out of the tournament and they lost so it's kind of like even if you put in an absurdly amount of money and try to like get the best players you might not get the best results where another team who has a underdog mentality or has that mentality of nobody wants us to win. So we're going to win. It's kind of like, if you can think of it, you can do it. It's kind of like going off of like living Buddha, living Christ. If you really need to like do all these things to be successful, or can you have a small budget and be fantastic? Yeah, that's an interesting point. That whole, I mean, it's, I think, you know, we, we talk about living simply. They, t I mean, Han talked about living simply, but I think in your example, it's not just, it's, you don't need all the fluff to be, or if you focus the efforts, right? Like focus the energy on, it's, a, it's an energy resource piece. If you focus the energy on the right thing, you don't need the, all the fluff. You can, you can get the outcome from from that right like from that one um intentional practice um i'm still thinking sam about your example about last year's book and now i'm now i want to reread it because I, I think it's so um 
one one of the things that I gathered from living Buddha, living Christ, honestly, is that there's so much good. It sounds like maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid too, but there's so much good in just being with yourself for like five minutes, <laughs> and then just this practice of being able to hear yourself and you know feel your energy and just this. Mm -hmm. mindfulness and meditation and being able to be calm. I mean, sure, it's got its own health benefits, but I think that it's just so much more than that. It's about understanding how interconnected we are and, you know, in a really extreme way, obviously you would never be able to understand the suffering that some people in the world are going to, are going through, but the experience of sitting with yourself and just breathing and being connected to that, I think, connects can connect you more to your empathetic side and say, he made an example in here, I think it was him, maybe it was Adam Grant, around what if I didn't grow up this way? What if I had grown up this way, right? Like, can you, can you think through, think again through that experience and put yourself almost, you know, put yourself in someone's shoes? And, and I, you know, I'm starting more and more as I'm learning more about myself and about these things that I believe that that really starts with just sitting still um, with yourself for more and more amounts of time every day, which is hard, but that's why it's a lifelong practice. (laughs) Going off of that is kind of like when you come home from work, it's like you have so much you have to do, but if you just sit down relax pick up a book it's just like you can think about other things and kind of just like instead of thinking about the hustle bustle of life trying to worry about so many things at once just slow down and get a new perspective on things so you can understand that and going off the example from adam grant with the the yankees and red sox i have a very i have a team that's very controversial i love the philadelphia eagles and they're notorious for <laughs> some of the worst fans and if you wear like a cowboys jersey to one of their games they it won't end very well but when thinking of it from like a different fans perspective i understand why everybody hates the eagles it's kind of like being one of those most obnoxious people ever then there's like the other perspective of why are the Eagles fans like that? And it's kind of like trying to wrap your head around why they're like it, but people don't want to understand that. So it's kind of like how people were raised in a sports aspect. And the Penn State example that you had, Sam, once you said the like with the Ohio State, I'm like, oh no, it's a hard <laughs> thing to do. Or if another huge rivalry that's way bigger than that is Ohio State, Michigan. If you wore that Michigan, that would have went way worse. So it's kind of like trying to view rivalries in like a learning opportunity kind of way because those schools and teams, they try to look at one another and see like, how can I one-up them and see, oh, and like look for the individual flaws. And when looking at Cowboys fans, I see a lot of similarities to Eagles fans. That's going to get a lot of heat for that but it's more along the lines of the fact that if you have a common goal like sports or have a common goal like trying to find the best politician or trying to find the best pol- like 
social program, you're going to see a lot of similarities in the ways that you're going about a program. It might be opposite, but we are going for a common goal. You know, um, so as I was looking back through my notes and uh, looking at uh, what I wrote down about these, um, the fan studies with the Yankees and the and the White Sox, Red Sox, Red Sox. sorry, see, clearly not a sports person. <laughs> clearly not a baseball fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got basketball. That's all that really goes for me. But, um, but the story in here about the um, the musician and the KKK member. I mean, my gosh, like, um, and honestly, if you're listening, like it is worth to read the book just to get to this story, because I think to your point, Karen, where you started talking about thinking about these great teachers, these spiritual teachers, and if they were here, what they would be like, let's tackle some of the <laughs> most volatile um, discussions. And I, and I say this to Karen, cause Karen and I have been in certain committee kind of arenas where we've seen the flare-ups that are happening in organizations and how, I mean, it's just, it's a touchy subject when we're talking about race and people's personal identities. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I had believed very early on, but I, I didn't do enough research, so I couldn't like be confident about it. But I thought there's no way we're going to get over this by only understanding one perspective. We need to know the perspectives of everybody like why does somebody hate or why is someone afraid or why does somebody act a certain way or have an initial reaction or why are there stereotypes um and that's kind of how i've approached a lot of things and floating around and maybe that's because i'm a mixed mutt myself so like i have a whole batch of cultural backgrounds um so trying to figure out what i am because technically i'm I'm white on one coast and I'm brown on the other coast as someone who traveled across the country. But the story where basically, you know, a black man and a KKK member bond over music and talent and start having these raw conversations where just seeds are planted. There's no like argument over who's right, who's wrong. It's almost like this playful banter of, talking about things that allow someone to completely shift their perspective that almost ultimately ends in a chapter of the KKK being disbanded and giving gifting his robe to this gentleman as a gesture. I mean, like my gosh, like I've never heard of anything like that. I remember being working at an organization where we were doing training on what happens in a healthcare system if we have someone coming in from the KKK and does not want to be treated by someone of color? And how do we honor the patient's rights while also taking care of the employees? Like, those are the conversations I'm used to navigating. And here's this one where this beautiful resolve comes out of it. And I just, my gosh, it really opened my mindset. Like, I just, I think I was, I was almost in tears because I read it and then I also listened to it, Karen. So I listened. Yeah. And I just was so moved because it gave me so much hope for what could be coming. Yeah. I mean, Liza made a note around, she, she's mentioning right now, um, think again. 
and Living Buddha, Living Christ has the idea of letting go of what we think we know about someone. If we only know our own perception, um, formed through our own filters and the limits of our own mind's eye. I mean, that story is a perfect example of that. And, and the ability, I mean, the personal strength that it took that man to be able to approach, not only be approached, because he, he was approached by the ex-KKK um, uh, man at when he was playing music, but also to just be able to sit with someone and just have a conversation to learn more about when, when mm -hmm. him, his family, his, you know, his culture, his people have been persecuted by people like that. I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that's a whole other level, right? That's, that's Buddha-like, that's Christ-like, right? Like that's a whole, yeah. um, and I think it also brings about this, this other part of, um, think again, that I'm obviously really connected to just in being in human service work, which is the idea of motivational interviewing. But really, that's a really technical term for being able to actively listen and give people space to, to give their own experience and be okay with that without wanting to shift them, without wanting to, but just for understanding. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that's, you know, it, it's, um, it's such a, it's a selfless gift. It's a gift. It's a selfless gift that you can give someone to sit and actively listen just for understanding. And it's, I mean, it's hard, right? Like mm -hmm. so many of us just want to sit and always give our opinions. I think it's just natural, but this ability to be able to 100% be open to hearing, just hearing it come at you is, it's a gift. I mean, it's, it really is. So I'll be this whole section of the book. We have a, a team retreat coming up in less than a month. And I have tasked certain members of my team to do research on the perspectives of some of the probably the most hostile perspectives we encounter in our line of work, which is, you know, that human resources is stupid and shouldn't be, you know, there. Um, if you want to hit it from the energy standpoint and Qigong and how we're woo-woos or anything to Satanists, you know, all those kinds of things. And I said, I want you to go pull blog posts and opinion articles. I want as much as we can to understand why these people feel this way because they're still suffering and our only hope to shift anything is if we understand those perspectives and can talk and open and learn from them. Um, and so it's going to be this exercise we're going to do at the retreat where we're going to talk about these perspectives from an open understanding point to see if there's something else we can do to reach out and have these conversations. So I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, but the, their faces when I initially, they're like, you want us to what spend time to read people trash talking HR and Qigong. And I'm like, but those are the articles that are fueling fear or fueling hesitance and resistance. And until we can understand that side, we can't really help, be part of the change or, or, and that's a whole part of what we're trying to do. Liza is calm. So Liza has a bad internet connection. So she's communicating to us via chat cause she can hear us, but she just can't talk to us. So she um, also said, yes, back to asking questions, keeping open, engaging without being condescending or 
oh my gosh, I love Liza has these big words, sanctimonious, uh, maintaining respect, validating, comes from coming from a space of being willing to learn and be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she gave us a beautiful citation. So she's there paging through her books. Uh, Think again on page 160, because while the means uh, may justify the end, the means are a measure of our character. Yeah. The end of that section, Liza, I think the um, interpersonal relationship section, and I'm going to find it too, but um, he talks about you should be proud that you got it done, but you should be more proud of how you got it done. And I mean, that's, you know, I think that speaks to exactly what you're just saying. It's not just about the fact that you changed someone's mind or were able, it's how you did that. And, and then, you know, bringing it back to living Buddha, living Christ, um, living with yourself and knowing that that's, you're, you're going to live with that, right? Like you have to live with that energy that you either did put out or didn't put out. Um, yeah, it's, so, Ben, yes. any interesting kind of um, personal reflections or thoughts from any three of the books? And we've touched a little bit on all three, but. Um... Kind of just understanding that, like, religion, culture, and sports all go together and kind of a, not just a kind of believing in a god believing in a higher being aspect and it's kind of like making life what you want of it not just like limiting yourself to one certain thing like before like the book club i was like oh i don't want to like read and stuff now it's kind of like liking to enjoy read reading it's kind of like opening your mind to different aspects and trying to view stuff in a different way so people can like understand it and get a better understanding of it where like some people don't like sports but you can try to make sports relatable for people who don't like it and it makes people enjoy it where i am not the most philosophical person but with these books it's kind of making me understand that philosophy is more than just is if a tree falls down in the woods does it make a sound kind of something like that (laughs) yeah I think that's a really great point and you know I I I have like a love-hate relationship with reading like I love the concept of reading but sometimes sitting down with the book like it really takes a lot of energy for me and I honestly was nervous because you know, the benefit of last year, those were all books that I wanted to read. And you guys just came along with me on this journey. This year, I was like, oh, great. I have to read these books. And because uh, I, you know, because it's the right thing to do. And I kind of almost have that grade school mentality of like, I could read it and f- pretend that I read it. Like, <laughs> But I will also say that it gave me this unbelievable permission like I fully was immersed in these books. I think last season I spent so much time like afraid that you guys were not going to like the books because like that I was torturing you over this long period of time with books that I picked that you had no say in. And that completely was removed because at some point you were reading a book that you wanted to read. (laughs) So, I mean, 
Yeah, this is the first time ever that I'm ahead. Like last year, I was trying to catch up and stuff. And so for me to sit here, and I think I would be done with Mamba mentality if I could shove it in my purse. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just the real reality of it, because I've really been enjoying it. I told you that I like spent a whole Saturday sitting out on the deck for like three hours immersed in looking at the pictures and having like this whole meditative, like where I was in it with Kobe and had this whole deep respect for him. And now I look at athletes and see them as these master, honestly, these master energetic practitioners that use some of these tools so that they can perform at the levels that they perform at for our entertainment. And it's not sustainable, which is why their retirement age is so soon and the body still breaks down. But what they are doing is like, they're energetic masterpieces for them to pull off what they pull off on the courts and the fields and the ice and all the other arenas that sports happen. (laughs) I mean, Liza just wrote this, that these books are awesome. And I think I said this in the last recording, but it is amazing to me that without willing, these three books came from three very different people, recommendations from three very different people, but it's amazing how many threads they have and that we can continue to have conversations about them, right? Like that we can continue to weave um, a lot of conversations between them, um, which, you know, makes me think you could probably find a lot of, you could probably, that's what the art or the, the practice I think of reading or the joy of reading is that you then have the ability to say, well, I was I was able to connect all three things and then you find themes and that's you know, that's a joy. I mean, I have the same relationship with reading, Sam. It's it's hard. And sometimes I find that, you know, when you if you read a lot for work or if you're doing a lot of reading for other things that you just don't find pleasure in it, but I mean, these three books, I've wanted to, I'm like, I'll start, I want to start the pod, or not the podcast, I want to start the recording in the car as soon as I get in, and I don't want to miss this, and I'll sit in the driveway and finish a chapter. I mean, I I didn't have that relationship with books. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Liza wrote, uh, mindfulness is, in fact, connecting to the energy of the moment, which is our only reality. We can disconnect from our notions of what the energy should be this was a big aha moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, and when I read that, I totally, and I know above she had written that, yes, Kobe's mindfulness practice, personal growth for the betterment of the team. My gosh, those pages where he talks about going in to the stadium and having those moments before everyone shows up. I totally do that when I do speaking engagements and training interventions. Like I have to go into the empty space and like feel the energy of it. I have to go feel the energy when I'm at conferences. So that totally came alive to me. Um, but being present in that energy, like that is when I can show up at my best. So it's just, it's really cool. Like I have to just say, like, I thought that I would have a favorite out of these three, but I can't cause I love them all equally in such a different way. Um, And I find myself wanting to put them in people's hands at different times because of the way that they are. Um, Yeah. Anyways. So obviously we're big fans of the book. So (laughs) athletes are not just athletes. They are humans too. And a lot of people, they kind of view athletes as these like all grateful people who kind of cannot do any wrong, but 
they make mistakes just like the rest of us they do things that are not supposed to be done like the rest of us so it's kind of like if you give all these athletes too much i guess power too much just like stimulation they don't know how to fully understand it and they go off the rails so it's kind of mm -hmm. like with the point of like the mindfulness and like having sports as religion kobe bryant kind of like had a good perspective on it where he kept kind of like sports in one section outside the other and kind of like managed it well versus other athletes have a major amount of trouble doing that yeah i think one of the things that was also a really big moment for me um when I was reading when he had one of the injuries and the communication he had with his wife, just in like the eye contact for her to know that something was really bad. Uh, like, so the connection between the support system, I think was so incredibly moving and there's just so many, you know, it's, there's not very many words in that book, but there's so many subtleties that are so powerful in that book. Yeah. So we are, as always, at about time to start wrapping things up. So anyone have anything else that they wanted to talk about today? Um, the book club's going to be a little bit more spoiled because we're going to come back together every two weeks and be recording. So we won't have this awkward kind of uh, thing that we had before. So it won't be so long before we see each other again and talk about all this. Plus, we're going to also have this amazing... Um, thing where we're all finishing the books up and we're going to get to marinate on them for about a month um, to really understand the outcomes that we're getting, which we didn't get to do that last season. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that happens too. But yeah, any closing kind of comments or thoughts or anything that you wanted to touch on that maybe came to mind that we didn't get to talk to you or talk about tonight? I have to say that, like, I totally miss Liza here speaking, but I also have to say there's something really beautiful about the fact that she puts her little, like, masterful thoughts in these, like, really token quotes that are so beautiful. Like, I almost want to screenshot this and use it for podcast episode promo Yes, because <laughs> they're so... Yeah, you're just, my gosh, we're, I'm so grateful for you, Liza. I'm so grateful for all three of you. This group, I couldn't... I, I could not imagine anything better. You were like some amazing dream to come together and make this possible. I was just telling someone that this week, actually. I recommended the Think Again book to um, actually a lot of people this week um, and, and was telling someone about this group and, and finding this group. And, you know, it just came, it came at a really great time, which those things always happen, so... And Liza, I miss miss your voice on this, but appreciate your beautiful text as well. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be up for, that will be up. That will be it. That will be it for us this week. Um, and then we'll be back to um, talk more about how these books are resonating with us. And um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Heartworker Book Club podcast. 
I hope that it served you. And if it did, the best way that you can support this podcast is by leaving a review on your favorite listening platform. And until next time, happy reading and writing.